0: My name is Alan. We're in a series uh, called uh, Unwritten, and what we're doing is we're looking at God's calling on our lives. And the uh, title of this morning's message is the following, "Fishing uh, for Your Calling. Okay, that's it. That's it. That is it. That is done. Thank you, somebody said. I promise, that is it for today. Uh, So we are in a uh, series where we're looking at your unwritten story. We're looking at how God has used episodes earlier on in your life to bring you to the place that you are now, and He wants to do something significant with the rest of your episodes, with the rest of your lives. And so, so far this series has has hopefully been encouraging and inspiring. We started off by saying, this is your life. Are you the person that you want to be? You get one shot at this. Are you the person right now that you hope to be? And we talked about how you have character strengths, you have gifts that God has given you. And we talked about your uh, last week, we talked about your uniqueness, that your role is unique based on the unique roles, uh, unique gifts God's given you. And the fact that humanity is the only thing that, that, that has been designed with a desire to be unique, that it's humans that are the ones that want to build things new and try new things. Last week we had our band of iPhoneers Uh, on stage here, and second celebration, if you were here for this celebration last week, it was kind of interesting because the whole thing was based on this cool technology, and the whole song was played on iPhones, and Mark was leading it with his vocals, and his iPhone wasn't working here for your celebration. It worked great in the first celebration, and, uh, and, and his iPhone wasn't working, and so then I asked him about it later, and he said someone was calling. Right there. So it's an iPhone, so the call always precedes any, always usurps any application that's going on. The ironic thing is that it was his son who was there for the first service calling to say that iPhone thing was awesome. <laughs> so we're not saying it's, we're, but we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about unique, that God has called us into a unique journey. He's invited us into something um, Special. So my hope is that it has been encouraging, but today we're going to turn the corner a little bit. Today we're going to go a different route. I hope that you're sitting comfortably because there's going to be a little bit of butt kicking this morning. This morning is a time for challenge with regard to the remaining of your, uh, the re- your remaining days. So let us uh, bow our heads and pray that God will have his way here in, this, in our time together. God, once again, I'm thankful for your presence, and uh, I know that some here in this room are absolutely ready for a challenge and saying, yes, bring it on. I know that others are uh, not feeling that right now. Maybe this is a time where there is more of a need for some uh, compassion or for some encouragement, and God, would your Holy Spirit translate whatever I have to say to speak to each heart here in this room, and if you want to challenge us, God, would you come and do it, and that we, would we be courageous enough to hear it? In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, for most of us, the first 30 years of life are pretty dynamic. I mean, pretty. The way our culture works is that there's a lot of change that happens over that time. I mean, a year is a big deal for the for you know in the early years of life, and even once you get into your late teens and early twenties, you may come out of high school and get your first real job with a real paycheck. You might instead go to college and be there for uh, four years that are dynamic years, or maybe five or six or seven or eight, however the college journey might look for you, and then you get out of college, and then maybe you get your first real job with a real paycheck. You get your first apartment. You get your, you get married. You uh, buy your first house. You have kids, and things are moving all the time. Everything is new, and there's only three questions you have to worry about in that stage of life. In the early stages of life, you have to worry about, what am I going to do? Who am I going to do it? with and where are we gonna go I mean it's just kind of a everything's moving you don't have to worry about creating dynamic change in your life it's changing all around you but then the pace of life changes and it, it turns into job and marriage and Kids And then you take a vacation, woo, it's party time, ooh, lots of change, and then job, and then marriage, and kids, and we get into this zone where the pacing of life changes, and what happens is we have to ask a new question, it's a question that many don't ask in late teens and in 20s, some do, but many don't ask the question, okay, Why? It's a new question. We've asked, what are we going to do? Who are we going to do it with? Where are we going to go now? Why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing this for these next episodes, for these next days in my life? If we don't ask that question, if we don't do some soul searching with regard to why, then what happens is we feel the need to revisit or relive what has sometimes been called the momentum years. The, the late teens and the twenties, the, there's momentum years when things are changing all the time. And so if we don't ask the question why when the pacing changes, we want to go back to these momentum years so we change our job, we change our house, we get a new wife, we get a new husband, we get a new set of kids because we want to keep this thing going instead of figuring out the importance of the why question. We will not live up to our full potential. We will not live out the unwritten story that God has for us unless we ask the question, why? Why am I supposed to sacrifice? Why am I supposed to give generously towards helping others? Towards the work of the church? Towards the work of the kingdom? Why am I supposed to serve? Why am I supposed to read? Why am I supposed to pray? Why? There's a story I want to take a look at in Matthew chapter 25. I invite you to turn there with me. Matthew 25. And this story, uh, uh, for this story, I invite you to buckle up because this story can mess you up. Okay, this story can mess up your life. I'm just kind of giving you a little uh, inspiring warning. All right, it's kind of long, Matthew chapter 25, we're going to jump in with verse 31, but it is worth our time here this morning. If you do not have your Bible with you, the words will be up on the screen. You can follow there, or you can just close your eyes and listen to it, but I ask you to, to enter into this story, even if you've heard it a thousand times, let's When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, "...depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, "...Lord." When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? In other words, if we had seen that, we would have done something about it. We really would have. He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If that story doesn't put a lump in your throat, then I'm not sure you were paying attention. Here's the opening challenge for, for us as we launch into today. Don't assume you're the sheep. When you read this story or hear this story, don't, list, don't read it or listen to it and go, wow, so that's what's going to happen to those other people. That's what's going to happen to to them. Maybe those who are not as Christian as you are. Maybe those who don't have the church attendance that you have or they're the ones who cuss or they're the ones who have a bad marriage. Mm, Sorry to read about that or whatever. However, you differentiate between the good Christians and the not so good Christians. Careful to read this and assume that you are the sheep. Now, let me be crystal clear about something before I move on. Crystal clear. This story is not about your salvation. It's not about how you are to get right before God. Scripture is very clear that that happens through grace. We are saved by grace alone so that no one can boast, so that no one can say, it is because of what I have done. Absolutely. We are saved by grace alone. Alone, It's not about what we do or don't do with regard to our being made right before God. But, is it possible, based on this story, that if we don't respond to the nudgings of the Holy Spirit to help this person out or give towards this or whatever, if we don't do that, is it possible for us to lose our salvation because of not responding to the Holy Spirit? No. No, please don't misinterpret this part either. I've got to be real crystal clear about this. It would make sense to read this story and say, well, uh, it's clear from this story that if you do these things, you will have eternal life. If you don't do these things, you will, be, you will have eternal uh, damnation. But it is never wise to pull out a story or a verse from Scripture and base your theology on it alone. It must be balanced and blended with all of Scripture that clearly says we are saved by grace alone. Absolutely. There's tension in Scripture in this area. There is tension here with regard to faith and works. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead as well. We've talked about that here in the whole shebang piece. They are together. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. God is no fool. He's not going to be fooled by our ways of trying to work around the system. God is no fool. When we absorb His grace, when we respond to His grace, when we are changed, transformed, when we become a new person, a new creation, we will be like sheep. There's an expectation that when we are followers of Christ, we would act as, and talk, and be like sheep. There's an expectation that we're going to be like sheep. In the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28, the last words of Jesus here in, uh, here in this book, He says that um, He calls people to make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples. In other words, followers. In other words, um, they will be sheep. Go make sheep. Christ doesn't say, and if that's too hard, or if that doesn't work out for you, then go ahead and make a bunch of Christians who believe the right things, but are not willing to commit to anything. He doesn't say that. He says, make disciples. Make sheep. There's an expectation that we would be like sheep. Let me offer another sobering couple verses from Revelation chapter 3. They're going to be up on the screen here if you want to just take a look at them here. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. It, both hot and cold are good. This is a, a message to the church in Laodicea. Both hot and cold are good. Hot comes out of the ground and it's good for you somewhere. Cold comes out of the streams, it's good for you somewhere. The useless stuff is the lukewarm stuff that's just wishy-washy in the middle, not even sure where it lands. So do you know where you land? Do you love Jesus or not? Do you truly, fully love Jesus or not? I mean, really, in, in your heart of hearts, would you describe yourself as passionately in love with Christ or does lukewarm better reflect where you are spiritually? Just be honest. We've, we've all kind of been through that stuff. So just where are you right now? A lukewarm Christian is one who is moved by the reality and the stories of persons who are hungry, persons who are thirsty, thirsty who need clothing, who are in prison. Moved by those stories, but do not act on it. Lukewarm Christians are ones who are genuinely thankful to God for what God has offered, for the luxuries He has provided. Thankful for the job or a house or a family or a car or whatever. Genuinely thankful that God has loved Us so much. But when it comes to sacrificially giving, what I mean by sacrificially giving, that means giving financially in ways that affect how you live life. Sacrificial giving isn't doesn't mean you kind of give from leftovers. It means that your giving affects some of your life choices. And so sacrificial giving towards those who are in need, those who are poor, those who are thirsty, those who, who need clothes. That's not a part of the journey for a lukewarm Christian. A lukewarm Christian is one who is concerned about what God thinks, but more concerned about what people think. So yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about where God's coming from with regard to uh, my life, but I'm more concerned about my friends and how they feel about my decisions. A lukewarm Christian is interested in the bare minimum. What do I need to know or do or feel in order to get to heaven? What's the minimum? I need to know that. How far can I go without it being sin? Can I get divorced because I believe that I would be happier somewhere else than here? Can I do that and still be right with God? How can that work? What can I get away with? Can I have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend and still go to heaven? How much do I have to read? How much do I have to pray? What is the minimum? I want to know the minimum. I'll consider something above there, but I just want to know what the minimum is. Is it possible to go to heaven and not be a sheep as described in Matthew 25? Is it possible to go to heaven and not do what God has commanded us to do? I'm not sure that scripture would support that. Jesus himself says the lukewarm will be spit out. that that a lukewarm Christian may not even be an appropriate phrase. That's an oxymoron. Can you be a sheep and be lukewarm? Either you love Jesus or you don't. In your marriage, either you're committed to that relationship, you love that person, whether you feel like it or not, or you don't. A lukewarm marriage isn't going to last. A lukewarm relationship with Christ, I'm not sure that's a relationship. Here's another uh, sobering verse from 1 John chapter 2. John writes this, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I may be crazy, but I think what that's saying is that a person who claims to know him, is, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's what I read out of that. I think it's important for us to be cautious in assuming we are the sheep. There's a question that I want to throw out as as the challenge this morning. It's, it's, It's one question. And remember, we're talking about our role in the whole shebang. How God wants to use the rest of our days. And the question is this. In what way are you intentionally using the story and the gifts that God's given you to expand His kingdom? In what way are you using your story and your gifts intentionally to expand His kingdom? Matthew 25 gives us little pictures of what the kingdom of God is all about. Jesus says uh, elsewhere in in a prayer, He says, Thy kingdom come, may your kingdom come be present and visible here in this place. And Matthew 25 gives little pictures of that, that the kingdom of God is a place where the hungry are fed, where those who have nothing to drink can have clean water, where where persons can have clothes, can be respected enough to have clothes on their backs, that prisoners would be cared for, and elsewhere Jesus says that prisoners would be set free often emotionally or spiritually, that we would be set free from our prisons. That's what the kingdom of God is saying. So in what way are you intentionally using your story and your gifts to expand, to bring about the kingdom of God? So let me first talk about the word intentionally. Is it okay to say as a believer, this is the path I'm going to walk. This is my journey. It's the school I go to. It's the work I go to. It's, it's the path I take in my life. And along that path, to be a, a God-honoring Christian, I am going to be thoughtful and kind along the path that I'm taking. In other words, whoever I naturally interact with, I am going to be Christ-like with them. Or, is it important for us to intentionally step outside of that path in order to meet the needs of those around us? Is there a need for us to intentionally step outside of our comfort zone? Jesus in Matthew 25 he says, I was a prisoner and you came to visit me. It's not typical in their culture or in our culture to just simply run into prisoners. You don't stop by the prison on your way home from work. There's an intentionality out of that. There's a calling that says, I feel like God intentionally wants me to go over here and do this. There are many wonderful folks here in our church who do what we call get in the game. In other words, use their gifts, use your gifts to volunteer in some way. And folks do that in children's ministry and student ministries and in uh, cleaning up the place and in setting up in so many unseen ways. They don't do that because they want to add to their already busy schedules, they don't do that because they uh, have their arms have been twisted and there's been enough guilt that makes them say, "I just got to do more. I got it. I'm supposed to. It's what I'm supposed to be doing." Those who do that in a way that is honoring to God are those who understand that it is that it is it is essential for them to be intentional about using their story and their gifts to expand the kingdom. To be intentional about that. So secondly, that's the intentionality piece. Second piece is your story and your gifts. What what does that mean? What does it mean with regard to your story, your gifts, that we have a unique journey as we've talked about over the past few weeks, that many will read the whole prison thing and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be the one who intentionally goes to a prison. That's not going to be me. Okay, that's fine. Just like in our sketch, they come home and they talk about we're called to Africa. Well, maybe God wants to use us in a different way. Maybe we're not called to Africa. It's, it's okay to say that's, that's not what I believe God's calling me to. It's okay to say that about some things, but not about everything. You know, I mean, if everybody said that, somebody's called to Africa. Somebody in this room might be called to a third world country to go live somewhere. We can't all just say no to the uncomfortable stuff. Somebody's called there. And so what is it based on your gifting, your story, that God is uniquely calling you to be a part of? What kinds of people, what kinds of places? Maybe you do have a prison background. And maybe it is a place where God wants to use your story and your gifting to make a difference for His kingdom. That's what the unwritten journey is all about. It's about looking at your history, your wounds, your story, your character, your personality, your imperfections. What are all the things that God has put together, your gifts, your... You're the package that you are. How is God going to use that for something specific in your unwritten story? That's what the whole thing's about. There's a gal in our D group named Heather, and she doesn't see herself as as uh, having identified her calling. She is a hairstylist, and she is a naturally gifted communicator, just great at one-on-one conversations. She has these beautiful bright eyes, and she just engages with you, and she's great at conversations. And as a hairstylist, she will spend many minutes with uh, with persons who are a captive audience, because they're having their hair colored or separated or cut or foiled or with the dome over top whatever the thing I don't understand any of it I just know that it takes a lot of time and a lot of money that's all I get out of that deal so here she is as a hairstylist and this is the interaction that she has and in those conversations that she has because people like being with her she talks about her love for her church she talks about her relationship with God and she does this with people who are a captive audience who are paying her to do it that's a good gig that's a good gig and she's not doing it in a way of saying, you need to go to church. Don't ever do that. She doesn't do that. She just says, here's my experience. If, if you're looking for something more out of life, I just invite you to come join me, or whatever her language is. She's not poking them and prodding them and guilting them because they come back. She doesn't want to lose the customers either, right? She's going to treat them with respect. There's another lady in our small group named Jean, and... Uh, she and her husband have a special needs child, and they are tremendous with their son. They are incredible. Now, overall, when I step back, I'm not sure who's more fortunate, this boy for having them as parents, or these parents for having him as a son. It's just a beautiful thing to watch what God is using in their life and what Jean, who's had a number of different gifts and experiences a part of her past, is wondering if God is using that part of her story to help other parents who have special needs children. She is very gifted. Mike is a guy who owns a, a restaurant, and I met with him a number of times as he's described how he has cared for his staff and that he has, he has loaned money, he has given money, he has given Uh, payroll advances he has forgiven debts he has given rides he has literally visited some of his staff in prison he says from his experience in the restaurant culture it is a it is a searching group of people who uh, are uh, and from his experience with his staff who are struggling with a lot of different things and so I said to him Mike you're not a restaurant manager you're a restaurant pastor of these folks you understand that He's very uncomfortable with that language. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. But that's, that's what he is. God is using his story and his gifts to expand the kingdom in his area. There's another lady who's a part of our church named Caroline Clock, and she volunteers in children's ministry. A number of you have met her or know her, and, and she's a hoot. And uh, earlier on this year, she led an alpha for children. She led an alpha for 5th and 6th graders. Alpha is our introduction to Christianity journey that is typically an adult thing, but she led one just for the kids. And there's the story of a young gal who was kind of reserved and really not engaged with with things much. But when she got into the Alpha program, she started to, to open up a little bit and she gave her life to Christ as a part of the Alpha program went home told her parents all about it who are not believers and told them all about it and said oh this is I, i'm 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 going to change uh, you know my thinking and the way i live life and all that she's just so excited she uh, shares this with Caroline and then Caroline tells a story to me and the end of the email that Caroline gave me about this whole interaction goes like this i looked at this so preteen girl with tears in my eyes, and just lost it. God is so good. I always thought God had big plans for me. Maybe my name in lights, on the big screen, rich and famous. Okay, we all know I'm a little dramatic. If you know Caroline, you can get a kick out of that. I never imagined his big plans would be at Mountain Park, sharing his word, and truly making a difference in this girl's life. I feel so blessed. Thank you for letting me be of service, Caroline. Thank you for letting me be of service. This is not a person who was guilted into a role at a church. This is someone who understands that her story and her gifting are to be intentionally used to expand the kingdom. And as a result, she's thanking the church for giving her the opportunity to do that. She's thriving at this stage of her her journey. Isn't that what we want? The sense of purpose and meaning? In what ways are you intentionally using your story and your gifts to expand the kingdom? Let me just finish off by what what I mean by the, the kingdom piece. And we don't have much time for this, but at the beginning I talked about the momentum years and the fact that as we mature, we get to the point where we need to ask this very important question of why. Well, this is the answer to the why question. The kingdom is the why. Why do we remain faithful in a marriage when we don't feel like it anymore? Why do we continue to respect and love and parent our kids when they drive us crazy? And it doesn't stop when they're 18 and we think we're done, but no, it keeps on going when they're 20 and 25. Maybe they're living with us on whatever the journey might still be. And it just, does, it just keeps on going. Why do we keep on doing that in this never-ending role of parent? Why do we remain diligent at work and respectful and God-honoring at work when we know we could cheat in terms of time, we could cheat in terms of some finances, in terms of some, some supplies, whatever? Why do we remain diligent at work when no one's watching? And it wouldn't matter at all because of the kingdom. Because of the kingdom. Why do we pray for someone who's hurting, someone we care about, someone whose friend is dying? Why do we serve? We sacrificially give our time that we could have 30 other things to do with it, but we want to sacrificially do it towards someone who is in need. Why do we give generously towards those who are in need when we've got plenty of other things that we could use with that, with that money? Why do we do that? Because of the kingdom. Because of the kingdom if you have a response to this question if you do in what ways are you intentionally using your story and your gifts to expand the kingdom if you have an answer to that question you say this is it right now this this is what i'm doing fantastic you are a blessed person celebrate that that is a big deal And be encouraged, and and maybe God's going to change the path in front of you, but right now, go for it, stretch yourself, challenge yourself a little bit to even go a little bit further, and celebrate the fact that you have, at least at this point, some awareness of how God wants to use you in your unwritten story. Awesome. If your response to that question is, I don't know, but I sure want to. If that's your thing, I don't know how God's using my story and my gifts as part of the kingdom, but I want to know. If that's your response, fantastic. Fantastic. Keep on, read some books, continue with your D group, uh, meet with people that you respect, that you care about. Take somebody out for lunch that you spiritually respect, who knows you, pay for the lunch and say, can you speak into my life? What do you see in me? Maybe you can see something that I can't see in myself. Because I want to get this. I want to make the most of the rest of my days. But there are many who will hear or read Matthew 25 and say, yeah, a goat describes me more than the sheep. Or read Revelation chapter 3 and say, yeah, I'm, I'm lukewarm. And they don't care. That... I think, is one of the most destructive realities of the church. this apathy. To say, yeah, I think I'm lukewarm and I don't care. That's a tragedy. Really, I mean, I've said this before, let me just say it again. We don't open these doors and do this whole thing and have and some are on staff and in leadership and volunteering. and da-da-da. We don't do this thing just so we can gather a big group of folks who love to be together, who love Marsha's music, which is awesome, etc., and all the band members and all the things, and we enjoy being together. That's not why we do this. We do this to experience, to expand, to be a part of, to celebrate the kingdom of God here on earth. And that is a challenge and a calling. I would, rather, I would rather be with 50 people who are passionate about bringing His kingdom here than 5,000 people who don't give a rip. In what ways does God want to intentionally use your story and your gifts to expand His kingdom for His glory I want to pray as we wrap up here and, and right after that, Marsha's going to sing a song. The words will not be up on the screen. It is just a song to be sung over you and I just invite you in, in the rest of our time here to just reflect on this a little bit. If you know how God's using you, celebrate that and see how God wants, perhaps wants to challenge you into something new. But for these next few minutes, would you take that question to God and just say, God, speak, please. How do you want to use me? here in my community, in my family, in my church? God, how do you want to use my story, my gifts, to expand your kingdom? Would you pray with me? Father, I ask that you would speak mightily in these next few moments. We invite you to come and challenge us, God. Would you rid us of any uh, guilt or the discomfort that is not of you? And would you fill us with a spiritual discomfort that is of you that says, okay, I want to be a sheep. I want to serve and love others and be surprised in the end to find out who it was that I was serving and loving. God, would you come and move us to use the rest of our days in ways that are honoring to you. Come speak to us in Jesus' name.